need to hear this information. A lot of times people have never heard this preached. And it's really sad because I, I would say that probably, I'm not sure that I've ever heard a sermon along these series or not. I'm going to do multiple sermons, but maybe one or two in my life. But it's so pervasive. It's something that is seriously needs to be discussed. So I'm going to be dealing with wolves among the sheep. So let's open prayer. So Father, we come in Jesus' name and through his blood, and we just thank you for this time. We thank you for an open heaven. We thank you for your presence. <clears throat> and Lord, I just ask you, and I thank you tonight, as you anoint and speak to me everything that needs to be said. And I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit moving upon your people, people that are here, the people that are going to be podcasting this or watching the video, maybe on live, live on Facebook. I thank you, Lord, even where people are right now, for the Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us, to give us good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives. That um, We're good soil. Our hearts is in tune. Our minds are locked in. I thank you, Lord, as the Holy Spirit just captivates us to give us the grace to give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus. And Lord, as you speak through me, everything that needs to be said is leaving, living seeds of truth sown into good soil, good fertile soil. Watered by the Holy Spirit that will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Lord, I thank you for the winds of the Holy Spirit blowing this out among the nations. This will get where it's supposed to and accomplish what it's supposed to. We stand on that promise and we speak the word out. The word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. And Lord, we thank you for an anointing. We thank you for this being effective. And um, Lord, we take authority because we know the birds of the air try to steal the seed. We just submit this unto you. We resist the devil. We bind anything that would try to hinder, distract, resist, oppress, in any way keep this from being what it's supposed to be. We command to be bound in Jesus' name and back off right now. And Lord, I thank you for your mighty angels just clearing that out of the way. And this will be a fruitful time. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're looking at, again, wolves among the sheep. And this is going to be part one, and in this, we're dealing with uh, developing your inner man. So again, this is going to be a series, so I'm not covering today everything that needs to be covered. This is just kind of a beginning, and in this, I really want two things primarily to be taken away from this, that there's a lot that's going to be discussed, but the two main things I want you to really take away is that the importance of us developing our spirit, our inner man, to discern, but also the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys have, have ever really considered that to get to know the Holy Spirit as a person? See, a lot of times we just pray, Father, we ask you this, that, and the other. And when you, when you feel God's presence, you have to understand that the Father is in heaven and Jesus at his right hand, and Jesus is in our great high priest role right now to ever live to make intercession. He's our great high priest. We have an advocate with the Father. But the person of God, the person of the Godhead who is with you is the Holy Spirit. And so he is the one that is guiding you, and he's the one that helps you to understand the Bible and when you, when you pray or you're at church and you're worshiping and you feel the presence of God, 
you understand that that's the Holy Spirit. That's not Jesus yet. He'll come, but it, this is, I'm trying to get people to really think about how real the Holy Spirit is. Now, he's a person. He can be offended by some things, and and um, he obviously is very pleased by a lot of things too, but you, you have to understand that he's a person with a personality. A lot of people view the Holy Spirit like, like a wind or something or a thing. Um, it's certainly not that way. He's a person. And also, I think another common mistake is, is people think that they can kind of control the Holy Spirit, that, well, I'll, I'll do this. And it, like they're trying to make, you can't do that. You just got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You know, be led by him and pray into things, pray into church services. But when the Holy Spirit is moving, you move with him the way he wants to move. So <clears throat> I've gotten to know the Holy Spirit through the years. And I just want to say a couple things up front. I may come back to this point later on in the sermon. But as I've developed a prayer life since probably 97, January 97, God began to move in my life pretty much exactly two years after I got saved. I was touched powerfully in 96 at Brownsville and some other places. But God began to draw me to prayer in January 97. And I began to try to learn how to pray. It's a long thing I don't want to get into. But once you learn how to pray, prayer is not hard. It's actually very wonderful. But when people don't know how to pray, prayer can be frustrating. But one of the aspects of prayer that makes prayer wonderful is the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, his presence. When things are dead and dry and there's no presence of God, it's difficult to pray. But whenever the Holy Spirit is there in the presence... See, tonight, if there was no anointing, there was no presence of God at all here, zero, it was dead as a doornail, you would have a hard time worshiping, you see. But because the presence comes in so strong, it, it just, just comes out. I mean, it's easy to worship. And you'll see, that's how it is with prayer. Now, a couple things about this is I've developed a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I've gotten to know him. I know his presence. And I know that the glory is God's presence, okay? So the Holy Spirit's presence as he comes, I know his glory, that weightiness. I know um, his, uh, the fire of the Holy Spirit, that fiery presence. I know the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that explosive power. And I've gotten so familiar with the Holy Spirit, his presence, his giftings, operating in the gifts, others operating in the gifts, and getting to know him, his voice, his leading over a long period of time, that it's become increasingly easy for me because of that, that whenever there's something that's not him, to recognize that that's not him. But it takes getting to know him. And it's no different at all than me getting to know my wife. I know her voice, and I know everything about her over a period of time. And if somebody else was trying to pretend to be her, I would pick up on that, you see. But if I didn't really know her that well, I, I could probably be duped by somebody, you see. So you have to get to know the Holy Spirit so that you can recognize what's of him and what's not, okay? And there's three dimensions that we need to consider. 
we always need to ask ourselves this. Is what's going on, is this the Holy Spirit and it's of God? And I'll add in that category of God, maybe it's an angelic activity, but is this of God? Okay, the other category you need to consider, is this just of man? Is this something out of the head or the heart of an individual? It's just them. Okay. And then the third category is, is this something that is demonic? Let me say it again. There's three categories. Is this of God or is this just of man? It's neither God nor the devil. It's just them. Or is this demonic? And that's kind of where I'm going tonight is that we, we all have got to have discernment, and we've got to have it right now. You know, we've talked years ago, I used to talk about, well, as we're moving into the end times, we're in the end times, big time. And I don't think that we got a lot longer before the Lord comes. And I believe that God has a, a very intense move of His Spirit that's about to happen. And we're going to be involved in that. And we're going to see the prophecies unfold that God has told us, a harvest, etc. But you have to understand that as the harvest comes in, the devil wants to try to sow in some wrong people. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about tonight. We've got to have discernment. It is extremely important. Because I've actually seen this. I've experienced it. I've seen it in the lives of people. And I've seen it at work in churches, not just here, but I've seen it work in other churches and let me just tell you, there's some people that they have a spirit about them that brings destruction. Whether it's a Jezebel spirit or a Leviathan type spirit, whatever, there's something about them, whether they intentionally do things. Sometimes people don't mean to be as much of a problem as they are. It's not intentional, but yet it's there. But then there's other people that they know what they're doing and they intentionally cause problems, you see. But there's something about some people that just brings destruction. And if you don't discern them, they could really bring destruction right to your life. They can bring destruction in your family. They can bring destruction between husband and wife. They can bring destruction to your children. And they can also bring destruction between parent and child relations. And they inevitably, because it's usually the enemy behind this, it may start out in the flesh, but it's going to become demonic very quickly if they're causing destruction, you see. Um, they, if given the opportunity, they will cause a lot of destruction in a church. And I know of many, multiple churches down through the years that I've seen that people have caused a lot of destruction. So um, that's where we're going tonight is discernment. And getting to know the Holy Spirit. So let me just open with this. Number one, Satan's goals is this. Satan's kingdom knows, the devil knows, principalities know, that if you're just trying to attack a powerful ministry from the outside, it's not really going to be all that effective. Because it's basically more of a nuisance, more annoying than anything else, okay? It's something from the outside. But the enemy knows that if he can get 
the right people that he can use on the inside and they become used of him there that because of that, he can bring a lot of destruction. Now, let me, let me say this. I, I really thought about this phrase and I, I feel like God gave me this. Satan's goal is to infiltrate within and I use these words very meticulously. I've thought this through. Satan is wanting to infiltrate the wrong people in for this reason, to neutralize the effectiveness of a church. Neutralize. That word neutralize needs to be circled, highlighted, underlined, whatever. I want you to really think about that word. Maybe look it up. It means to render it ineffective. So neutralizing something is like it was maybe really strong and some kind of a substance that was really strong. You add the opposite and it just neutralizes it. So I, I really feel that the devil wants to send the wrong people into places to neutralize them. They once were powerful, they were effective, but now they're not. Another thing, this is another word that's completely different. He wants to send, infiltrate the wrong people into powerful places, listen to what I'm saying, to destabilize them. They once had stability. They were under authority. They were unified. And because of their willing to be submitted to authority and in unity, they were marching like an army. And they were powerful. They were effective. Their prayers were effective. But now the enemy wants to cause the wrong people to come in that will cause them to begin to rebel and get a wrong attitude toward their leaders and to begin to cause them to not get along with each other, and it causes them to now become destabilized, and through that, they're no longer effective. So those two words, I felt that God really gave me those two words, neutralize and destabilize. And ultimately, Satan's goal is to destroy and I have seen places <clears throat> that's gone, I'm thinking of one off the top of my head, but it's not one. I've, I've seen things through the years at multiple places. Friends of ministers, and I think of one place right now, years ago, they were a really powerful ministry, and this situation came up, and there was a split, and they were really hit, and a lot of people left, and they never really recovered from it because it's not just something in the natural, it's a spiritual thing. And it unfortunately neutralized, it destabilized, and now they're all but shutting the doors. It's really sad. But that's happened a lot. That's not one, that's not 12. There, there's hundreds and thousands of churches that something like that has happened throughout this nation. And it's satanic. The, the origin behind it is principalities over regions that study God's people and study churches that are a threat. And even if they're not a threat, the enemy wants to make sure that they never are. So he wants to just infiltrate the wrong people in, mixed into God's people that will neutralize them. And so as we know, a strong church is a praying church a church that's under authority, a church that is unified. And let me add this, a church that is discerning. See, if the church 
can discern satanic attack and discern wolves among the sheep, then it's not just the pastor saying, hey, that is, it's like a unified thing against what the devil's doing. You see, if everybody kind of knows, but it requires people to have an element of discernment. And so everybody kind of comes together against what the devil is trying to do. But infiltrators, they, they know what they're doing a lot of times, and it, they will subvert their behind-the-scenes. A lot of times it's phone calls, it's conversations that are in private, and it's meant to cause people to have a wrong view of the pastor or leaders. And it may come through emails, it can come through text messages, different things, but a lot of times it's just these left-handed comments and even to try to pit people against each other. But see, the ultimate goal, again, is to destabilize and to neutralize. That's the goal. So let's get to this. So Isaiah 11.1, 1, this is kind of where I'm going with this tonight. I want you to see some things maybe you haven't thought about. Because the wrong thing to do is trying to be suspicious and trying to figure it out in your own mind. There has to be spiritual discernment. I'm going to show you. So in Isaiah 11.1, 1, the prophet Isaiah was prophesying about the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. In Hebrew, Mashiach ben David, the, the son of David here. And he says this, look, he says, there will be a shoot spring up out of the stem of Jesse. So Jesse, we know, was David's father. But it's like a, a tree that was cut down or something. There's a stump, but he said that there'll be a shoot come up out of that. Okay. In other words, he would be a son of David, a son of Jesse. And he said, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And look at this. It says about Jesus that the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So this is, I want everybody to really think about a lot tonight about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what gave Jesus the ability to see things, okay? It says the Spirit of the Lord is going to be on him. Now look at this. You've got the seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he is the Spirit of the Lord. And then number two, he is the Spirit of wisdom. Number three, understanding, or that can be revelation. How many knows that we have to have, Paul said to the Ephesian church, I pray that the eyes of your hearts be enlightened. We got to have the light of truth, the light of revelation shining into our spiritual eyes, the light of revelation in our eyes that brings understanding. Then number four, the spirit of counsel. We need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Number five, and strength, or you could say might. We need the strength of the Holy Ghost. We need his undergirding strength. And then the spirit of knowledge. We need, that's number six, knowledge. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us the Bible and give us the knowledge that we need. And then number seven, the fear of the Lord. I pray that I never lose the fear of God. Because that right there is a dangerous place. And, I, and I'm concerned that that's happening in our generation with the upcoming generation 
is a, I see a lot of a lack of the fear of God. So when the Holy Spirit comes in his fullness, he comes as the Spirit of the Lord, and it's like the menorah, the seven-branch menorah. He comes as the Spirit of the Lord, wisdom, revelation, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. He comes in his fullness, his, like the menorah, like the lampstand. He comes full flame, full lit. And I believe when he comes in this way, in his fullness, that you could call that the spirit of Elijah. Uh, you could call that the spirit of revival. But it is a fiery, re- a message of repentance, a fear of God, a calling back to God, uh, backslider, come home, sinner, repent. It is coming in a way that, that causes people to get right with God and back on fire again with him. And also, when the Holy Spirit comes in this way, he comes with a message, even a prophetic edge to it, that convicts and, and cuts through. It'll expose the enemy, and it'll cut through all the deception. So this right here is a picture of, of Jesus being clothed with the Spirit. And I just say this as a quick rabbit trail. The Bible, to me, doesn't say that that the Holy Spirit came on Jesus at his immersion as a bird. It says it lit upon him like a dove, meaning gently. I think that John, because the Bible, John the Baptist, John of himself said, he said that the Lord showed him that the one on whom the Holy Spirit comes will be the one. And so John, when he immersed the Son of God, he saw the Holy Spirit come on him, I believe personally, gently like a dove would, but come on him like a clothing, like a garment. And John saw the Holy Spirit come on Jesus, and that's how he knew. He's like, this this is the one that I was told was coming. So Jesus was clothed with the Holy Spirit, and he had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And verse 3 says, and he, look, I love this, he will delight in the fear of God. See, a lot of people say, well, there's these different revivals and things going on. And I'm not saying that God's not moving. But a real true revival, a real true revival, people will not be getting more and more worldly. People will be getting less and less worldly. And it says here, he will not judge by what he sees what his eyes see, nor make decisions by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge. Now, I want everybody to get that tonight. This is a very important sermon. He's not going to judge by what his physical eyes see outwardly. He's not going to judge by what his physical ears hear outwardly. It's how many know sometimes things look a certain way, but they're not that way at all. What it's saying here is that Jesus will look beyond the surface and beyond the natural, and he will perceive by the Holy Spirit, he's going to perceive the actual truth. So it says that he will not judge by what he sees, nor make decisions by what he hears, but with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the humble of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Also, righteousness will be a belt around his hips and faithfulness around his waist. Okay, now I want you to see here Matthew 9, 2 is just one example, but I want you to see something about Jesus. I'm focusing on one thing tonight, and that is 
that Jesus perceived things beyond just the natural. Now look at this. It says, they brought to Jesus a paralyzed man lying on a stretcher and seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man who was paralyzed, take courage, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes said to themselves, so they're off over here to the side and they're, they're whispering to each other. They're, you know, they weren't saying this, yelling this out to Jesus, okay? They were off over here to themselves saying it to each other quietly saying, um, this man is blaspheming. They were basically saying, who does he think he is that he can forgive sins? And look at, listen to this. And Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, he didn't hear what they said. He knew it by the Spirit. He perceived it. And he said to them, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? He knew what was in their hearts. So this is not something that he was judging with his natural eye because they would have looked good on the outside if they were scribes and Pharisees. This wasn't something that he heard. This was something that he perceived by the Spirit and he knew their heart was wicked. So I want you to see this tonight because there's going to be times that in the natural, somebody may look beautiful, handsome. I mean, there's nothing about them. You understand the Bible says that Satan comes as an angel of light. When he sends people in, they're not going to come in with like a pentagram on their forehead, okay? They're not going to come in uh, acting all crazy and weird because the devil knows that everybody's going to be looking at him like, well, okay, you, let's make sure that you're saved and let's make sure, you know. He's going to send in the true troublemakers that they're going to look like sheep but they're wolves. They're going to look good outwardly. There's nothing about them that your natural eye is going to be a threat. There's nothing about, and some of them will come across, they know the lingo, they know how to act, they know how to talk, they sound so spiritual, they sound so righteous, but you can't go by what your natural ear is hearing them saying either. Because again, they may look like sheep, and I'm speaking symbolically. They may smell like sheep. They may, everything about them appears like sheep, but they're a wolf. And the only way you're going to know that is by the Spirit. So I'm going to show you a couple things tonight. Again, you have to ask, is this God? Is this just man, or is this the devil? There's three areas we've got to discern. Number one, we do need to know the Word. And it's something that the Word of God does provide an element of discernment here. Because you, if you really know the Word and somebody's preaching something that's off, then you know, well, well, now wait a second, that's not what the Bible actually says, though. You know, There's some discernment there. The Bible does provide some discernment. And if somebody is maybe giving a prophecy, but it doesn't line up with the word, then you can say, well, wait a second, we have to throw that out because it doesn't line up with the word, you see? So it's important that we know the word. And let me just read this, Hebrews 5, 12. And it connects, though, the, the ability of a person to get off of milk and onto the meat because of their inner man being uh, 
developed. You see, it says, the, look at this, Hebrews says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. He, so he was saying to them, you should be more mature spiritually. You should be further along. He said, but instead, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God, and you have come to need milk, not solid food. And so let's read this in context here. When he's saying that about their immaturity and them not able to handle meat, in context here, it says, everyone who only partakes of milk is acquainted with the word of righteousness, for he is an infant is unacquainted, rather, with the word of righteousness. He's an infant. But look at this. Solid food is for the mature, and this is it. Because of constant use, they've trained their senses to discern good from evil. So for us to be able to handle the meat of the word and be able to handle the deeper things, we have to develop that inner man. See, just like your physical body has sight and smell and hearing, taste, and touch, your inner spirit man is exactly like your body, looks like your body in every way. It is just like your outward body, but it is a spirit body, okay? So your spirit body within you, when your physical body dies, your spirit is going to depart your body, and of course your soul is like your personality. That's going to be with your spirit, okay? You're a body, soul, spirit. But your spirit is going to leave your body and go to be with the Lord. So that inner spirit man is where the Holy Spirit lives. That's the part of you that is spiritual. And your inner being, your inner spirit man is the part of you that has to be developed and trained to discern good from evil. That with your spirit within you, your spirit knows if something is of God or not. It says here that because of constant use, have trained their senses to distinguish between good and evil. They know. How many of you guys, since you've been a Christian, that you somehow got around something or saw something and it really troubled your spirit that you knew that that's not God? It really bothered you. You felt it in your spirit. You're like, hmm, that's, that's not God. That's discernment. And your inner man, the more that you develop your inner man, that by the, I'll show you some things in the Word, but one of the ways I believe that is probably the most powerful is praying in tongues on a regular basis. I recommend every day praying in the Spirit. And you build up your most holy faith. The Bible says you edify yourself, which Kenneth Hagin used to teach is like recharging your battery. <laughs> so you're recharging your battery. You're strengthening within your inner man because it's not your, it's your spirit that within you that's really enabling the tongues to flow. It's from the spirit, okay? And that's building up and developing and strengthening your inner man. And so... I've, I've had this, and I'm sure you have too, but there's times that you, it's like you can see something spiritually. You just see it, and God shows you something. There's times that you hear things spiritually. It's not something in the natural. I mean, I, I, maybe I'll give some examples. I've, I've been praying before and took authority over the enemy, 
And it was not physical, but I heard like a shriek in the spirit. You see what I'm saying? Also, your inner man, there's a, there's a, a sm- there's spiritual odors. I mean, like, um, I've, I've prayed with people, and it was demonic, and there was a foul smell. But I've also been around the presence of God sometimes, and there was like a fragrance about that that was beautiful. So there's spiritual, there's spiritual eyes, or spiritual ears, or spiritual smell. The Bible says, taste and see the Lord is good. And also, there's, there's uh, touch, there's feeling, like you can sense. I've been around some people or things or places where I just felt evil, just felt it. Just like you can take your natural physical hand and you can put it on something that's hot and it'll burn your hand, you'll pull it off. In the same exact way, your spirit can sense if something is of God or not. We just have to develop that. And this is extremely important. And so, as I said, the Bible does give us some discernment. And it's important to know the word. But let, let me give you an example. In, I, in Acts chapter 16, verse 17, we know the story. So I'm not going to read it, but you can go home and read it. But you remember Paul was going to a place of prayer. And day after day, there was this woman that was following him, and she was shouting, these are servants of the Most High God who are teaching you the way to be saved. We all know this story, okay? And we also know from the Bible that she was actually a fortune teller or a psychic or whatever. And she was following him, but she was shouting the truth. I'm sure that this lady was in the physical, probably was an average-looking person, and she's, and she's saying the truth. She's telling everybody that. These are servants of the Most High, teaching you the way to be saved. Nobody can argue with what she's saying. She's telling them the truth. But Paul, read the script. Go back and read this when you get home. Paul was troubled. He was just, it's like, I know this because I've experienced it. In your spirit, it's like nails on a chalkboard. It just goes all over you. You, it's, it seems like from the outside, it seems like God. Here's somebody that's known in the city saying, these are servants of the Most High. But Paul is like really troubled. It just bothers him. And he turns around to cast the demon out of her because he knew it was a spirit. Now, based on the word of God, if Paul and them knew that she was a fortune teller, just based on God's word, discernment, you know that that's not of God because it's a fortune teller. You see, but if you don't know who this person is, you don't know anything about them. And now they're saying the truth. How are you going to know if it's of God, if it's just them, or it's demonic? The only way you're going to know is by the Spirit. And if you read this story, it says in there that Paul was troubled in his spirit. He discerned it. So sometimes knowing the Bible, we got to know it. It's extremely important. But there's times you're going to be in a situation where is it of God? Is Is it of man or the devil? The only way you're going to know is by the Spirit because the Word of God there, you don't know this person. 
you don't know their back. You don't know anything other than there they are saying something or doing something. Is this of God or not? And now a story comes to mind because the Bible says to judge prophecy, but it also um, says to not despise prophecy. And so there's a story I've told many times that Dr. Cho, you know, he had a really large church in South Korea, and we have a lot of people. You know, you got to keep up with things. And, and one service, he noticed that there was this lady that was prophesying, and he didn't know her. <clears throat> and so people were lining up, and he goes over, and he's, he's open to prophecy. He doesn't want to despise prophecy. He's listening. He said this. He said that the lady seemed to kind of be negative, and it seemed to trouble him a little bit. So he went home and he asked the Lord about it. He said, Lord, is this of God or not? And the Holy Spirit told him, said, it's a familiar spirit. It's not of me. And so he goes back and says, you're not doing this anymore. She got offended and left. But he shut it down right there, you see. But he had to discern it by the Spirit. Because most likely, I would assume the lady looked like everybody else. You know, she might have even been pretty, and there might have been kind of a power about her. And, and the words she was saying, he said that they were accurate and they were true, but he just said they seemed really negative. So she had accurate information, so it seemed. So how are you going to know? You don't know, is this of God? Is this just her, or is this the devil? Until the Holy Spirit gives you discernment, and he speaks to you, or you can discern it in your spirit and know, hey, that's not of God, you see. And I've had several stories like this myself. I don't want to rabbit trail on all of them, but just trust me. I've, I've had times where somebody was praying in the Spirit, and they, they were going on and on. But I mean to tell you, it went all over me like nails on a chalkboard. I just knew it was not of God, and it wasn't. Um, there's several times through the years that I've been troubled in my spirit about this, that, and the other. And over time, sure enough, it ends up not being of God and getting exposed. So as, you de as we develop our inner man, we know. Also, so number one, we've got to know the Bible. We have to know what it says. And I know that you know this. There's some good things prophetically out there. There's some good ministries. But there's also a lot of flaky stuff out there, a lot. And it's sad. I remember not that long ago, I was just scrolling through Facebook, and all of a sudden there was a, this was not long after the whole crazy thing with uh, Trump and Biden and, um, you know, a lot of fraud and stuff going on, okay? And this was not long after Biden became president. And I was just scrolling through there, and, and I saw this lady and she had like a rod, and she was doing, so. it was just a video in passing, but she was like doing like this, saying something. And I remember just immediately feeling witchcraft. And so I was scrolling through, and I kind of stopped, my finger just kind of stopped, so I was like, now I'm going back, you know. I was like, who is this? And what she, and I click on it, and sadly, you're not going to probably know who this is, but it's a well-known prophetic person. And she was doing this thing, and she was commanding, that Trump come back into office. And I'm not saying this disrespectfully, but I'm just saying this just flat out as the truth. It was pure witchcraft, plain and simple. You cannot try to control with so-called prophecy and so-called controlling prayers. And, um, you know, 
I would like to see Trump back myself, but it ain't helping anything to operate in false prophecy and witchcraft. All right. So we need to discern, is it of God or the devil? And that was demonic. So number one is the word. Number two, number two, very important. We have to know. We have to get to know people, rather. We have to get to know them. You don't just accept people at face value. You have to get to know people. And let me show you in 1 Thessalonians 5.12. It says, but we ask you, brothers and sisters, to know those who labor among you. Now, I looked up the word know there, to get to know them, and it's a common word, um, that's used, and it's Ido in the Greek, and it means this. It means to perceive. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus said about those people, the scribes, he didn't see or hear with his natural, but listen, he perceived that they had wickedness in their hearts. He perceived. He saw past the surface. Is everybody hearing me tonight? He saw past just the surface. It says here, brothers and sisters, we ask you to know that you perceive beyond just the surface. And it also, Ido, means to be sure of. That you perceive and you're sure of those who labor among you. So the, the Bible's teaching us here that you don't just thrust people in leadership. You know, it is, I'm telling you, it is so important. I know you guys know this. But man, you cannot just throw people onto the worship team just because they have some talent. How many knows that there's some secular people that dance around half naked that's got talent? There's some secular people that there's a satanic anointing on what they're doing that's got talent. Just because somebody has talent doesn't mean anything. So you got to make sure, perceive, get to know them, be sure of, not only that, that's one thing, but how about those that's going to be laying hands on people? Because I've known people personally. I, I knew this one guy one time that got around some, and I love revival. You know that I'm a revival person. I'm a product of the Brownsville Revival in many ways. I love revival, okay? That's a big part of my ministry, okay? But there, unfortunately, just like anything else, there's the good, bad, and the ugly out there. And he got around some, um, some strange, like a, like a sect, and they had some weirdness about it. But anyway, he came to me years later, and I was praying for him, and a demon manifest. And I cast it out. I command to leave. And you know how that thing came in? Being around those weirdos. I've known people down through the years that they're just too open to anything. I was praying through here one night, and I knew this lady. Y'all don't know this person, but I knew her from other, other uh, places. Anyway, and she was one of those that was just really open to just anything, anything. Anybody laying hands, anything. And I remember praying for her, and the power of God was really moving that night. I mean, people were getting just slammed by the power and when I got to her, I was just praying for everybody, but there was a spirit manifest. She hit the ground and something left her. And I knew, I knew she had picked that up 
somewhere, being around the wrong people and the wrong things. L- listen, not everything that's out there is of God. I know you know this. Not every spirit. The Bible says test the spirits. And that's why good churches, will, they will perceive, they'll be sure of, they'll get to know. They will not let people teach unless they know what they're teaching. Do they believe like we do? What are they going to be teaching? They're not going to let people lay hands on people unless they know their life. Are their hands clean? Is their life right? Or are they going home and they're in all kinds of sin? You know, there's certain people that you get around them and them praying over you and you feel like you need to go home and get a bath spiritually. And, and they don't need to be praying over anybody. And also leadership roles up in, up in front of everybody. How does, how does it affect people, including baby Christians, Whenever they come to church and they just got saved and they're coming out of all this sin and everything and they're, they're on fire for Jesus, they look up and somebody's on the worship team. Then they go out of there and they see that person somewhere else and they're, they're drinking and cussing and acting like this, that, and the other. How do you think that affects their walk with God? Hello? We have to get to know people. And Jesus taught us this. He said that you'll know a tree by its fruit. But to know a tree by its fruit, you have to wait till the fruit comes up. You know, you, you see the tree maybe in the wintertime, but you've got to wait until the fruit starts showing up. And so you have to wait and look. And Jesus, of course, uh, Matthew 7, you know, he talked about that. So we know that a tree that bears certain types of fruit, as you examine that, you're going to know whether that is of God or not, just by getting to know people. So another realm of discernment is to really get to know people and to look at the fruit of their life over time. I was a part of a church years ago that grew really fast because of, uh, there was just reasons, I'm not going to say. They grew really fast, but the problem, one of about seven problems, but one of the big problems was that they needed people in leadership. And so they just started thrusting people in leadership. They didn't do what this says about really getting to know them. And boy, it caused a lot of problems. So you have to be careful who you have in leadership and get to know people. So whenever he talks about the parable, Matthew 13, of the wheat and the tares, you can go read this parable for yourself, but I'm just going to paraphrase it real quickly. It was a man that planted wheat. In the night, somebody came and sowed seed of tares, tares among the wheat. Now, tares is basically a weed. It doesn't produce any grain, but it looks just like wheat. So they grow up together, and it kind of has polluted your harvest, so to speak, because you've got all these tares in there that are worthless. They don't bear any, any grain. And really, the only way to really know the tear from the wheat is as it matures, the wheat will start producing grain at the top, and it starts bowing over from the weight of the grain. And the tares don't have that, so they're standing straight up erect. So that's, that's the way you know is when things come to maturity. But Jesus, in the parable here, they said, shall we go remove the tares? And he said, no, because you may accidentally pull up a bunch of wheat too. He said, just wait till harvest time because they'd mature. 
and the reapers will separate them. Listen, the reapers in the Bible, Matthew 13, 39 says this. It says the end of the age is the harvest. And what does it say? The harvesters are what? The angels. You know what? I believe the reapers are the angels. See, if we're not careful, we can start trying to pull up the tares ourselves, and we're going to end up pulling up some wheat. But how many knows that we'll really pray about it? God will send his angels, and they'll deal with separating the wheat and the tares. So another thing, whenever you're getting to know people, let's give you one more thing. The Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Just listen over time. Listen. Listen to what they talk about, what they say. I've gotten around certain people down through the years that want to be in the ministry and this, that, and the other. And, man, you just, I just sit there and listen to them. They, you can tell that they are wanting to build a name for themselves, a reputation. They're wanting to, to meet the right people and this, that, and the other. And it's just the motives are all wrong, you know. And you know that eventually, even if they get what they want, there's going to be an element there of pride that's going to destroy them to some degree, you see. So just listen to people. Listen to what they're talking about. Because out of the abundance of their heart, the mouth will speak. So recapping, we have to know the word. Number two, really get to know people. Watch them. Watch the fruit over time, okay? Number three, and this is where I really wanted to get tonight, is get to know the Holy Spirit as a person. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the Apostle Paul said this, the grace, he's closing out to them. So really the last thing he's going to write to the Corinthians. He said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, how many knows we need Jesus' grace, okay? And look at this, the love of God, that's the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I look up the word fellowship and it's koinonia, and it means communion, like intimate fellowship, communing with somebody. It's the same type of relationship if you sat at a table and really just face-to-face talk to somebody, they talk back to you, fellowship. You really know them. They know you, you know them, that type of relationship. So he said, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What is scripture here? And it also means like a partner. How many knows the Holy Spirit is our senior partner. We just simply move with him. So with this, I was thinking about some scriptures. I was thinking about when God called Saul, King Saul, and Samuel anointed him, but Samuel told him, so I want you to go, and you're going to end up going up to a high place among the prophets. And they're going to be singing, and they're going to be worshiping, and they're going to be prophesying. And you're, there you're going to be changed into a different person. So King Saul goes up, like Samuel said, and goes up to this high place where the prophets are. And that's where the Holy Spirit's moving. And he got among them, and the Spirit of God came upon him and changed him into a different person. See, many of you, maybe you got saved through River of Life, and the Holy Spirit entered your life. Others... You kind of came in amongst revival, and the Holy Spirit changed you into a different person. How many have been changed by the Holy Spirit into a different person? I mean, I have. I know that you have too. So Saul had that happen. In John 14, 17, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he will be in you 
and with you. And that was a real foreign concept because Israel, they always knew the Holy Spirit as the presence. They knew the presence of God, what they would call the Shekinah, the glory. They knew that that was at the temple, and the closer you went to the Holy of Holies, the more you got in that presence. But Jesus was saying, no, no, I'm going to be doing something, and once I've done what I need to do, the Holy Spirit will be in you, and he will be with you. And then Acts 1.8, when Jesus was leaving, Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit will be upon you in power to be my witness. So the Holy Spirit, think about those three descriptive terms. The Holy Spirit, he is the one that lives inside of us. We know that he's with us. Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll be with you. How is Jesus with us? By the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power to cast out demons, to, to pray for the sick and their healed. So there's an empowerment. And obviously to witness. That was the main thing. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. And also Romans 8, 14. It says those that are sons of God are led by the Spirit. So in that culture that Paul is writing to, when somebody is a child, they hung out with the mother. But when they got of age and they became a son and they were matured, now they were with their father learning the trade. And he's implying here sonship, to be a son. When you come up into maturity, you are led by the Spirit. And it doesn't just say led in the Greek. It says continually led. And that's important because every day, we have to be continually led by the Holy Spirit. But to be led by him, we have to know him. We have to know his presence. We have to know his leading. So I was thinking about some things. I just kind of read over these last four points. I'm kind of move kind of quickly now. How... How is it that we learn to hear God's voice? Well, when somebody very first gets saved and they're born again, you know, they, they start going to church. And so this is kind of the level that they're at. Them hearing from God is basically they hear sermons, they read the Bible, they read Christian books, things like that. And that's really at a basic level, but that's where they're at. They're babes in Christ, you know. But as they start developing a personal prayer life, and you know what's sad? I hate to say this, but I believe it's true. There's a lot of people that, are, that stay at that level of a baby the rest of their life. They never get out of that. That's sad, but it is true. But as they begin to develop a personal prayer life, and they really get to know the Lord, they spend time in prayer every day, they... they you have to bring your flesh under, and you get in prayer, and you, you're studying the Word. And as you begin to grow in your prayer life, you find that now you're starting to get impressions from the Lord. You're starting to develop a little bit of discernment. It's not completely reliable yet, but you're beginning to be led by the Spirit. Maybe you notice that you feel like you should read a certain book of the Bible or a certain chapter. You, 
you feel like when you, you're at work or something that you really need to talk to somebody about the Lord and you're, you're beginning to get developed in that inner man there. And as that process keeps going over time and you really develop that inner man strong, that's when you're, you're clearly hearing the Lord speak. You're being truly led by the Spirit. And you also learn the various ways that God speaks. And the various ways that God speaks are some of these. Number one, he speaks through his word, the Bible. But number two, the Lord speaks directly to you. How many of you know that God spoke to you about something and you know that God spoke to you about it? You know. See, I've had that too. God speaks to you. May not be every day, may not be every month. And I've found in my personal experience that when the Lord speaks, he doesn't say a paragraph. He usually says like a word or a sentence, a short sentence. And you have to figure it out. But that's, that's God. That's what he does. But he will speak directly to you, and he tells you what you need to know. And so I'm not saying this disrespectfully because I do believe that there are true, legitimate prophets. I love the prophetic ministry. And I, I believe that Brother Benny Baker comes in here as a true prophet. I do. That man hears from God. And he has signs and wonders following him, and he's, he's a man of God. And I believe in the prophetic ministry. And I say this with humility and love, but sometimes there's stuff that's just all the time. They're like, yeah, I see these angels all the time, and they talk to me all the time, and I hear this all the time, and I see this all the time, and I get this all the time, and you're just kind of going, okay, yeah. So there is some things that's real, and then there's some things that's flaky, and it's not God. We have to have discernment. I don't want my life cluttered up with all these false prophecies and counterfeit revelation and junk out there I want to spend time with the Lord. I want to know what he's saying. Another way that God speaks is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've had time, it's so interesting. I remember one time me and Brother Holt were praying together, just the two of us, and he was praying with me. And all of a sudden, he had a message in tongues. Well, I felt the power of God. And he interpreted that message, and I still have it memorized to this day. It was a word from God. God spoke through that tongue interpretation to me. And I've had times where my wife and I pray together, and I mean out of the clear blue. All of a sudden, a message in tongues comes and an interpretation, and it has really been powerful. I mean, you, so God speaks through his gifts. He may speak through a message in tongues, interpretation, or prophecy to you or through you, but he does speak through his gifts. So the Bible speaking directly to you, the gifts. Another way that God speaks is through his anointed servants. You know, true men of God, true women of God will pray, and they'll hear about what they need to share. And so when they come in, if they're a real man or woman of God, they've really asked the Lord, what am I supposed to share tonight? So they're bringing the word of God. It's just like tonight, 
this, I really believe humbly that this is what God's saying to us. I really do. So God is speaking through his word to you that's being preached. It's through pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets. He'll bring the word through them. Um, sermons will speak to you. Maybe God's anointed servants, like again, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, whether it be through sermons or maybe godly counsel, that they give you wise counsel, they speak into your life, or maybe they give you a prophetic word. But those are ways through God's anointed servants that God will speak to you. And then another way that God will speak to you, in fact, the Bible says in the latter days that this would become increasingly so, is through dreams and visions. In the last days, I'll pour out my spit on all flesh. Was it your young men will see visions, your old men dream dreams, etc. Upon my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit. So the Lord is saying in the last days, there's going to be dreams and visions. How many of you guys have ever had a dream that you really felt that it was from God? I have, I know many of you have. I mean, you guys have ever seen a vision? God showed you something. You knew it was God. See, dreams are very symbolic. Dreams, dreams can um, be interesting. And they can sometimes be nothing like what you think that they mean. So you have to get an interpretation about a dream. And I, I certainly don't have time to get into it, but there's kind of a language that is developed out of the Word of God about dreams. Like, for example, if you dreamed about snakes and scorpions, you're probably dreaming about the, the demonic activity against you, you see. If um, sometimes a dream, like if there's something under the surface, like a shark under the water or a crocodile under the basement, it's that there's something of the devil that's under the surface that you need to discern. So there's kind of language that's in dreams. I can't rabbit trail. But when you get a dream, you need to get the interpretation if it's from God. Keep in mind that the devil tries to give dreams too that can be fearful. And also keep in mind that it may just be you. See, we have to know, is this of God? Is this just me? Or is this the devil? So there is an element of discernment there, but dreams, God does speak through dreams. Also, visions. Visions are more literal. If you have a vision of a course of events, probably it's going to be similar to exactly what you saw. Um, but if you have a dream, you have to interpret it because it's very symbolic. Okay. But God does speak through these. So again, he speaks through the Bible. He may speak directly to you through the gifts, through God's anointed servants, and through dreams and visions. These are ways that God speaks. But all of this, if it's of the Lord, is by the Spirit. The, God will show you things out of his word, but he shows you by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, but the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Do you ever think about that? The Bible says, the Apostle Paul says about the Bible, all scripture is God-breathed. That's the ruach in Hebrew, which means wind, breath of God. And it said this, it was written by holy men of old who were moved upon by who? The Holy Spirit. So did you know the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible? And did you know if you want to know what is said, you ought to ask the author? That's why Jesus said he'll lead you in all truth. He will teach you. He will guide you. So how do we develop our inner man and get true discernment? 
Again, we discern some things by the word, some things by the fruit of people's lives, but some things can only be discerned by the spirit. Wolves in sheep's clothing have to be discerned. You remember Jesus talking about there'll be false teachers, false prophets. We, unfortunately, we're living in a day when there really are false teachers and false prophets out there. But here's the sad thing to me. There are people out there that are just critics, and um, I'm saying this as nice as I know how, but they've caused more damage to the body of Christ than any false teacher, false prophet ever has. Because all they do is mess things up. Every time somebody's anointed, they call them a false teacher and a false prophet. Every time there's a revival, it's a counterfeit. They accuse it of being false and demonic. These people don't know the difference between the Holy Spirit and the demon. And because of them, they've, they've sown so much confusion into the body of Christ, so bad for so long, now people don't even know what's real and what's not. They've been used of the devil to totally mess up what, you know, what I'm preaching on tonight to cause just total confusion about it. It's sad. But we do need to discern wolves in sheep's clothing. When Satan comes, he comes as an angel of light, and the Bible says that his ministers, hit, everybody say his ministers. Did you know Satan has ministers? It's going to shock some people one day to realize that there's, there's thousands of awesome men and women of God out there, you know. But it's going to shock some people one day to realize that some of those preachers out there were just wolves. And they thought they were a man of God. They weren't. So Satan has his ministers that look like ministers of righteousness. Just because somebody's anointed, they have some kind of a power about them. It may not be that power about them may not actually be the Holy Ghost. Did you know that? Did you know that witch doctors and people like that sometimes can perform legitimate miracles by the power of demons? So just because somebody has a power about them, just because they have accurate information that they can give you, just because there's a healing or something that happens doesn't necessarily mean that they're of God. This is where true discernment comes in because by all accounts, they look like that. See, a wolf in sheep's clothing, the sheep's clothing makes them look like a sheep. But on the inside, they're ravaging wolves. You have to discern that by the Spirit. I'll talk more about that in the future, but this is how I want to close this out. The times that we're living in, I say this a lot, but I, I wonder sometimes as I'm preaching, could this be the only sermon that somebody hears of mine? So sometimes I'm a little bit repetitious for their sake. But the times that we're living, perilous times, this is not a time to be out of church. And it's not a time to go to a weak church that is worldly and powerless either. You need to find a good church. They're still out there. You're just probably going to have to kind of go... They're fewer and further between. You might have to drive a little bit. But find a good church that's anointed, that's powerful, 
It's a praying church. They believe in the sick being healed. They, 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 they're not ashamed to drive the demonic out of somebody's life. They operate in the gifts. It's powerful. Go to a powerful praying church. Be under that covering. Number two, you need to develop a personal prayer life. How many knows that we cannot ride other people's prayer lives? That's only going to go so far. And I encourage people, pray in tongues daily. Pray in the Spirit. See, one of the practical ways we can do that when we, let's say people get up and go to work in the morning. A lot of people obviously do. The practical way that you can do this is while you're getting ready. You know, set aside time in the morning to pray. You have a personal prayer life. But as you're getting ready, you can pray in the Spirit. As you drive to work, you can pray in the Spirit. As you drive home from work, you can pray in the Spirit. And if you'll start praying in tongues like that on a daily basis, I promise you within about a month or so, you're going to notice that you're different, you feel different, you're more discerning. Because you're developing and sharpening and strengthening your inner man and your inner senses. Also, I know you know this, but we have to know the word for ourselves. If you don't know the word for yourself, don't be surprised if some slick-sounding preacher out there that may be a wolf knows how to say things in a way that sounds so good, it's not true. But it sounds so true. That's how come you have to know the word for yourself, and you have to get to know the Holy Spirit. Because if you know him, you're going to know when it's not him. And developing up that inner man, as I said earlier in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, you edify yourself, Jude one twenty, you um, build up your most holy faith. So it is that developing of that inner man. I believe the main way to do that is to have a prayer life. You're in the presence of God. You pray, but also in that you're praying in tongues strengthen and develop that inner man, sharpen that inner man. And I close with this quick statement. Perry Stone's father, who's went home to be with the Lord, I've shared this with you guys, you may remember, but he said to Perry before he passed, he said, I believe that it won't be in my lifetime, but I do believe that it'll be in your lifetime. He said, tell the people that there's going to be some spiritual warfare in these latter days. And he said, there's going to be times that it's so severe that somebody's going to feel that it's so intense that they're having a hard time shaking it. Why won't this get off me? But he said, if they'll get away alone with God and they'll really pray in tongues and let the Holy Spirit pray through them until it's broken, he said, that will get them out of it. And when I said that, I felt that. There's times where we don't know how to pray. But in our weakness, the Holy Ghost will come upon us and he'll pray through us and he knows exactly how to pray. So there's going to be times where it seems hard to shake something. But if you'll get in there and pray in the Spirit, you can keep praying, keep praying in the Spirit and it'll break and lift, okay? So Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for for the ability by the Holy Ghost in our lives to strengthen and develop our inner man And Lord, I thank you, as Paul said, that Lord, we, the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened. Lord, help us to build up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, and help us to know your word, and to really know the Holy Spirit, and have sharp discernment. Lord, we thank you for it, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right.
let's close out recordings tonight. And I want to pray for you guys. But here's what I felt led to do. When I was at Cane Ridge, I was able to pray 